Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nicole. And I'm Gina. And today we are dishing all about what we learned through pregnancy, delivery, and the postpartum period. And we're going to do a little catching up. But first, we wanted to let our readers know about The Mom Voice. It is a show co-hosted by Sarah and Lauren and is a podcast about home, friendship, and everything in between. They laugh a lot, almost as much as us, and lay out all of the frustrating, funny, and ridiculous moments that occur in the day-to-day. They know how exhausting, joyful, and lonely parenting can be and are here to provide uh, support and let us know that you're not a, let everyone know that they're not alone on the podcast. You'll definitely hear about their stories as they raise their little ones work and pretty much just try to keep it all together as all of us are. And there's lots of laughter, random tangents along the way. So just be sure to join them to find your inner mom voice. We all have one and they're so excited to create a sisterhood of support here as we all look to bring up the next generation. And I know uh, Gina, you and I have both <laughs> really enjoyed uh, their show and yeah, We're really glad to show them some love on our show today. So check out the mom voice. And Gina, what is, uh, what's, what's cooking? Yeah. So a lot is cooking actually. So just so our listeners know, we are actually recording this one day before it comes out, which is rare for us. Usually we we record a couple of weeks out. So this is very much real time. So Corona is going on as it probably will be for the next month, despite what our um, president seems to think Um, or two or three, who knows, but definitely not by Easter anyway, enough on that. So we're in the midst of the Corona pandemic right now. I will say I feel like I'm on maternity leave, but with sleep. You know, when you're on maternity leave and you have an infant, you don't want to bring them outdoors because they're very... um, they can get sick very easily, right? So you want to protect them as much as possible. And that's how we are at this moment. I feel like I'm spending so much time in my house just like during maternity leave. I also had my two kids uh, in the middle of summer and then winter. So it was really cold when I had Cameron, so we couldn't go outside. And then super hot, about 90 degrees when I had Paige, so we couldn't go outside. So I feel very much like I'm back on maternity leave. But again, with sleep, I feel like I've been sleeping more than ever before, which, of course, I guess is a good thing. Uh, I've been sleeping probably like 10 p.m. to 630, which is more sleep than I typically get. What about you, Nicole? Have you been sleeping more or less? Yeah, it's it's kind of all over the board. Um yeah, it, it really just depends. I've had a couple 5 a.m. shifts at the hospital and a couple that have gone till midnight. So Dang. mine is not as predictable. But I would say overall, yes, sleeping more. I'm not setting an alarm, right? I mean, I don't have to get ready in the morning. So I just like roll out and roll to my computer. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of nice, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if, I'm, if I'm looking for a positive in all this, that would be one of them. Uh, let's see. I've been doing a lot of avocados for lunch. I know I posted that on our Instagram story. I just, I don't know. It's just easy. I just open up an avocado, sprinkle some salt on there, maybe a little bit of uh, lime or lemon juice, a little bit of pepper and just go to town. And it just keeps me full for quite a while. And I enjoy it most importantly. And this is definitely something that I did not used to be able to consume since there are a lot of FODMAPs in avocado. So that's kind of nice. I can finally eat those and not feel terrible afterwards. And then lastly, uh, I decided to buy, even though it's probably not the best time to spend money considering 
my husband, I didn't mention this on the last one, or if I did, I didn't talk about it too much, but my husband sells food to restaurants for a living and, you know, all the restaurants are closed. So the vast majority of his customers are not open um, or I guess all of them aren't open, but the vast majority of them are either closing down for good or it just, everything's up in the air right now. So, and he's hundred percent commission, which is super scary. So definitely not the time for us to be spending money, but I got kind of desperate. I've been wanting to get a piano for a really, really long time. And we didn't get like an actual piano. We got a keyboard. We got the same, it's the same size. I think it's 88 keys. So some of the keyboards out there only ha- have fewer than 88 keys or whatever it is that a, a standard piano has. And some of them also don't have the weighted keys, but I made sure to get one with the correct amount of keys and the weighted keys. And I love it. Got it for a really good price at a used uh, music store. And my goal at the end of this whole craziness is to have the song Let It Go, which is an easy song to play really, <laughs> um, uh, figured out on the um on the keyboard and play it for my family. So that's my that's my goal. I also got a Kindle, which again, I know I shouldn't be spending money, but I've been wanting to get one of those for such a long time. So I'm going to be getting that hopefully in the next couple of days so I can actually read some books because our library is closed and I've just been dying. I have nothing to read. Mm-hmm. So I had to get one. Yeah, I know you're going, you? you're going back and forth between the Kindle and the, the Fire tablet. Yeah, yeah. Which did you get? I got the Kindle because I went to my local library web- website and they can't, they don't rent out books on the fire. Oh, good to know. And that's the whole idea. I didn't want to have to pay for books on Amazon. I don't want to have to pay for books, period. Um, so I figured the Kindle, it was like $30 more. And in the long run, I think I'll save money. And right now I can actually get books from the library with it. Yeah. So yeah. that was why I chose that. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I'm kind of with you. I have no idea what day it is. I think the only thing that's consistent in my my life right now is a 215 uh, leadership call every day about Corona stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That is the only constant in my life. So our kids daycare was closed. And then we were assigned one of their teachers to come to our house for when I had shifts or had, you know, work to do. And which is every day she's been here. Um, And then the school's reopening on Monday. Oh, I know. Super random. Okay. Um, so they're opening for like healthcare worker families only. Oh, okay. I got um, it. So we'll see. I, you know, I definitely have some reservations about that, of course, with social distancing. Mm-hmm. So we'll just kind of see how that goes. I'm, I'm going to ask some pretty specific questions on, you know, how many kids are going to be in the class and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, Cause I know that they have to make it financially work, but yeah, pandemic. So, um, <laughs> Talking about reading, I gave up on my book club book this month. Um, it was a, a Gentleman in Mouse, Moscow, which has such good ratings. If you look it up on Amazon, it's got nearly 15,000 ratings and it's well over four stars. It wasn't terrible, but it was just really slow going and it was over mm. 600 pages. I was like, I got 10% mm. of the way in and it just wasn't picking up for me. So I was like, Bleh. so I went to a tried and true. I went to Colleen Hoover. Lots of sex. Lots of oh, sex. Nice. Yeah. Okay. The book is called Too Late. And I've also, she wrote, um, Verity and some of I think she wrote Verity pretty positive um, that she wrote Verity and a couple other uh, hopeless I think was one of them but yeah that was awesome and okay. so look, during this time look for authors too that are doing free downloads uh, for the uh, the whole pandemic situation uh, okay. but yeah basically I'm just lo- using the time to work out I've gone. 11 or 12 straight days on the Peloton. Nice. Uh, yeah. And I'm trying, you'll laugh at this. I'm trying to get caught up on stuff like podcasting and blogging. And it's like <laughs> two days whip by and I'm like, oh, I should post a blog. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's the, for me, the time is going very quickly. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I'm on 
an emotional roller coaster for sure. Like some days I'm really okay. And other days I'm really not okay. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm spending tomorrow, Sunday in the emergency department screening patients. Like I am not going to be a well person tomorrow. Like I'm going to be an emotional wreck. Um, But as of Tuesday of this past week, which was like the 23rd, maybe uh, healthcare workers now get face masks if they're in direct patient contact. So small victories there. Um, Mark sent me to work with my uh, 3M, uh, uh, what is it like mask? And if you don't know, it's like, do you know what those look like? No, it's like, I'll send you a picture. I'll post one. But it's like, <laughs> it's got the giant like filters on both sides. Like you look like you're going to. OK, yeah, it's crazy. Like I'm, you would I'm, use in, tr- I'm in I'm like envisioning um, Breaking Bad. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what you should be picturing. And he's like, uh, you go to work like that, Nicole, and you let them send you home. And he's like, you're going to be safe. I'm like, oh, geez. OK. Uh, and one last funny. thing. Um, the kids are, of course, like driving everyone insane. Right. And mm-hmm. I am just not a real Pinteresty mom. But my friend, uh, well, it's my cousin's wife, uh, Missy. She is like mom goals to the max. And she was a former teacher. And now she's a stay at home mom of three littles. And she's just rock star status. She started a blog called Moments Enriched. And that's okay. that's the webpage, momentsenriched.com. Uh, and I checked it out. She's got a ton of great like sensory bin ideas and all that. So a, a plug okay. for Missy's uh, site there. So cool. Awesome. All right. Jumping in. I think we've anxiously awaited this episode. And if I you're know, I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. If you're a mom, you certainly can't help but resonate with topics of pregnancy, delivery, postpartum life. And I don't know about you, Gina, but I live for birth stories. Um, so if you're expecting or you're just binging on the topic, if you're a dad, you're probably going to nod along and laugh uh, to the realness of our memories here. So let's start with our labor stories, Gina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know so many women out there probably want to shoot me. However, I will tell you, I had two amazing labors. Uh, Now, I will say, well, okay, I'll start from the beginning. So with Paige, uh, Paige, I had my water break in the middle of the night. It was the most... It was just the craziest feeling. You know, you always see it in the movies, the water's break, water breaks and there's water everywhere. It's so unrealistic. I never really thought that my water would break in the middle of the night. I'm not sure what percentage of women that actually happens to. Uh, but anyway, it did. I felt this weird popping sound and I was like, what's going on? What was that? Lo and behold, there was not water. It's more like a gelatinous material. Uh, it definitely doesn't feel like water, but mm-hmm. a lot was there. <laughs> and so I called my parents because we didn't have any kids at the time. So Nick could have brought me, but he at the time was uh, had a job where he had to go into work. He had to do a bunch of stuff before he actually brought me to the hospital. Now, granted, if we were desperate, he would have brought me there easily. But my parents are really close by and they were kind of on call because this was very close to my due date. So I called them. No answer. Called them again. No answer. Finally, I will tell you, too, I was not rushing to get to the hospital. I had heard that you have to deliver within 24 hours of your water breaking. So that was on my mind. Probably not the best thing to think about, um, but that was on my mind. I was like, oh, I'm fine. I think I even tried to go back to bed to get some extra sleep. Um, so anyway, they finally ended up calling back probably like two hours later and went to their house. My mom brought me to the hospital. My water kept breaking all, I mean, it was already broken, but it kept um, leaking all over her car. She put me in a wheelchair. It kept leaking. It was the most strange feeling. I get into the hospital. They get me right into a room and they started me on, on Pitocin because I was not progressing. Like my, I had not progressed at all. I wasn't really even in active labor. It was just that my water had broke. 
Um, so they had the Pitocin was necessary. And of course, you hear all these horror stories about Pitocin. You know, the the um, the contractions are worse. That's really the big one that I know I always hear. I don't remember having bad contra- contractions. I And my pain tolerance is not very high. I even remember specifically saying to Nick, like, what are we going to do for this next however many hours? Can we, you know, play some cards or play a game or do something? I watched some Seinfeld, relax a little bit. Finally, the contractions started coming harder. Again, my pain tolerance is not very high. Uh, so I think I remember a nurse telling me, I said, you know, how long do you think this will go? She kept checking me. I don't remember the details, but she said, you know, it could go as as long as 24 hours. I remember her saying that. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I can handle the contractions on and off for a few hours. Fine. But 24 hours, absolutely not. So I was very, very steadfast in not wanting an epidural, not because of anything other than the fact that I am terrified of needles, like completely terrified. I hate blood. I hate needles. That was the only reason. But I thought to myself, 24 hours, there's just no way. So I did ask for an epidural. Unfortunately, I did see the epidural. um, There was a, a picture against the wall, like right in front of me. And so when the doctor came in to give me the epidural, I saw the reflection of that giant ass needle uh, in the picture and I freaked out. Of course, it's not the entire, it looked huge. It wasn't, it wasn't all needle, but of course that was going through my mind. Got the epidural, everything good. Um, They ended up having to take me off the Pitocin because I think the baby was um, having a hard time. The baby being Paige. Right when they took me off Pitocin, within 30 minutes, I started progressing immensely, ended up having the baby about, I would say, two hours um, after my epidural, pushed for 15 minutes, perfectly fine, everything good. In fact, I went so fast after they took me off the Pitocin that my doctor couldn't make it in time, so I had to have a resident deliver me. Uh, which was not good because I had about, I think it was a, I want to say either a one or two degree tear. I had to be stitched. And that was probably the worst part of that whole scenario. Quickly, um, I'm just going to move on to Cameron. Uh, Very, very similar deliveries. The only difference being that Cameron, I actually woke up in the middle of the night, not to my water breaking, but to blood because I had a placental abruption. This was at 35 weeks and five days. Uh, I went to the hospital right away in an ambulance, which was the most terrifying experience of, of my entire life. I'll never forget being in that ambulance with very, very good looking men, by the way. I do remember that. Uh, and they, the first thing they did was check the heart rate of my baby, of Cameron. And I remember them telling me it was 140. And I was just, that was, I'll never forget that moment because that's when I knew he was okay. Cause that was about what his heart rate had been in the doctor's visits. So that was probably the best moment of my entire life was when, they told me that. So we got to the hospital. I was assuming that I'd have to have an emergency C-section. Um, but it turns out that they they found out pretty soon that um, soon after getting there, that it was just a placental abruption. But, but they wanted me to stay until the bleeding had stopped for 24 hours. They estimated the weight of the baby being five pounds plus or minus 10%, which scared the crap out of me. Um, Paige was six pounds, um, nine ounces. And she was, t- so that was tiny to me. I couldn't imagine five pounds. Uh, I ended up actually having a non-stress test that next Monday, which was two days later when I was exactly 36 weeks. And it it turned out I was having really, really um, small contractions. So they had to induce me. And honestly, the labor went almost to the T exactly how pages went. They had Pitocin. I got an epidural. It took me off the Pitocin because he was a little bit stressed. 
within 30 minutes to an hour. I was pushing. Thankfully, this time my doctor did make it and the delivery was much, much smoother. No tears, everything good. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that was a lot, that was a lot, but I, I know we, we've got a lot to talk about. So what about you, Nicole? How was yours? Uh, those sound dreamy. Um, oh, oh, by the way, real quick. I'm sorry. Cameron was uh, six pounds, um, six ounces. So he was only three ounces less than Paige, who was full term. Cameron was late preterm at 36 weeks, and he was just three ounces uh, less than her, which to me means two things. One of two things. Either A, my due date was wrong, or B, because I had gestational diabetes, he was going to be a lot bigger than Paige. Who knows? Because I did the math. He would have been closer to seven and a half to eight pounds if I would have had him full term. And you're tiny. You to have an eight pound baby would be. Which happens. It happens. And also I was eight pounds. And so was Cam or so was Nick. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Shay was eight ten and Piper was eight four. Um, I know. I know. Woo. <laughs> That's right. So with Shay, I was induced because it was a she was an intrauterine insemination. Uh, and I was gaining weight really quickly. I had t- carpal tunnel. You name the symptom, the side effect, other than yeah. vomiting, and I had it with with Shay. Labor and delivery. I was supposed to go in for my induction. It was full on Friday. Mark's like, oh yeah, like you'll have the baby Friday. Like we'll have the weekend and I'll go back to work on Monday. Like he had it all planned out. Yeah, labor and delivery was full. Um, so I just waited around like a beached whale all weekend and finally went in. I mean, I couldn't do anything. I was so full of fluid. I mean, my, it was just so much fluid. Um, Went in on Sunday at eight o'clock for an induction at just over 39 weeks. They put in Cervidil, which basically looks like a little tampon and they put it up there Mm -hmm. to ripen the cervix and then just gave me an Ambien and sent me to bed. At 2.20 in the morning, my water ended up breaking and the Cervidil came out shortly thereafter and my contractions had really started, like one to two minutes apart. Um, And it was tough because I couldn't get up um, and walk because of the fetal monitor that they wanted on me. And so it was really hard to labor in a bed. So I got an epidural at like five o'clock in the morning and shortly after the procedure, my blood pressure dropped and Shay's heart rate plummeted. Um, They called in like, it was like stat, respiratory. It was really, really scary. I was completely like out of it. But Mark, said it was really scary too. Mm. So they got that under control. I'm guessing that they turned the Pitocin way down because um, I had been started on Pitocin, of course. Um, I slept from like 5.30 to 7.30. And by 8.30, I was like eight or nine centimeters and fully effaced. And um, my evening nurse was like, okay, I'm headed out. You'll have this baby by noon, I bet. Couldn't be happier. Felt like the epidural was really making things doable. Great. Okay. Mm. I was like, I got this. Mm-hmm. Um, around that same time, I had a second sack of water rupture, which was super weird. Like I wasn't expecting it. I was like, oh, I thought we were already done with this. Um, but by late morning, like 11 ish, I was 10 centimeters dilated. They turned on the baby warmer. The room was being prepped for delivery. Um, I still had not seen a provider. So six hours go by six hours Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I've been laboring down the entire time. So it's like this robot bed that literally like the rump of it, like elevates and my I'm sitting in like a froggy like position just letting <laughs> gravity help um and it, she, my nurse was like it'll shorten the actual push time needed the midwife came in finally she had there apparently where there was a complicated c-section um and she asked if I was ready to push and I was like I don't know and she said well there's being ready like you're dilated and then actually feeling like you have the urge to push so that's kind mm-hmm. of a, a note there I didn't really understand that difference until <laughs> I, I, I I don't think I still understand that difference but having never done it before we did a couple practice pushes um, and she decided that I sucked at it and she wanted me to labor down <laughs> a while longer I was like oh great so not long <laughs> after that um, I did a couple practice pushes with a nurse and then the midwife came back and um, I ended up 
up pushing for an additional two hours with the midwife for a total mm-hmm. of three hours of pushing. Stop it. No. So it was almost exactly 24 hours of total labor, kind of from when the time I like I went in um, with the cervidil till she was born. So she was born at um, 10.06 p.m. Uh, I think I no 8.30 p.m. Sorry. 8.30. I get the two mixed up. So uh, unfortunately, due to the epidural length, it, it all kind of in my contract. I don't know what happened, but basically the epidural was doing no good by the time it came to pushing. Mm-hmm. And I remember my friends talking about the ring of fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if you've delivered a baby without a good or working epidural, you know what that means. And I just remember saying, like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I I begged for a C-section. It was <laughs> horrible. OK, so can I just I'm just going to interject real quick. I We'll say I had two fantastic epidurals. But here's another thing that I always hear is that when you get an epidural, you can't feel to push and that you can't feel the baby coming out. I will tell you both times I felt the baby coming out. I felt the pressure. I knew exactly when to push. I felt it all. I did not feel the contractions, which was a great bonus, but I felt the urge to push and I felt that ring of fire. Oh, you did. And and maybe some might argue that means my epidural wasn't good, but I, I enjoyed that. Like, that was that was good for me I, to feel that pressure and to know when to push. Um, but not having the contractions was really what I think helped me with that epidural. So maybe, you know, you could argue that I needed to have more, but I did feel it. And, and, and I think it was good. It was good to feel it. So I think that that's a common misunderstanding that you don't actually feel your labor when you get an epidural. Because for me, I felt the entire thing. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. You never know what you're going to get. When it comes yeah, to an epidural, exactly. yeah. because with Piper, so my big issue with Piper was the anxiety. So I had this horrible and I, I you know, anxiety, haha, like I literally was having panic attacks in the middle mm. of the night because it was the time of day I was close to my delivery date. I or due date, I, I guess I should say. I knew exactly how babies come into the world, right? Like <laughs> firsthand, it was horrible. And I was, I just, I couldn't turn it off. I was, I mean, on all fours, just like hyperventilating in the middle of the night. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it all happened, of course, when your mind isn't racing with work and life and whatever. So I ended up going <laughs> past my due date um, by two days. Never thought I'd see, you know, women never think they're going to see their due date. And then it like flies past and everybody at work's like, oh, you're still here, huh? Still pregnant. <laughs> it's like, don't even talk to me. Um, and so that morning, two days after my past my due date, I woke up in the morning with just to a very small amount of fluid on the sheets. Like I could have peed, you know, like who knows yeah. what it was. It was not much. And then I get up, go to work because I had patients to see. And all I can kind of like you said, it, all I felt like was my <laughs> vagina was like slippery. Like I was walking and I was like, woo, woo, woo. like I just, it felt like it was completely lubed up. And I was like, what is going on? So then I'm sitting at work and my admin is like, I had told her what happened. And she's like, call labor and delivery, Nicole. Like, it's not like you're 34 weeks pregnant. Like you're 40 plus two, like just call. So they sent me yeah. straight there. They tested it was amniotic fluid. So they admitted got me. It. They gave me side attack orally and I just walked the hall. So that just got the party started. Mark came by with Qdoba. My my contractions got more intense. And I think the most memorable part of my delivery, um, I roll, is he was taking mm-hmm. work calls as I was laboring. 
And he, he goes, hey, guys, if you hear me say push, I'm talking to Nicole. And I just could have like wrung his neck. Um, shortly yes. after that, I kicked him off the calls and made made him like rub my back. I was I used the peanut ball and just kind of bounced around for a while. Um, but I labored for a couple hours, got to four or five centimeters. And I was like, you know what? I want this epidural. Um, and it mm-hmm. was magical. I basically uh-huh. laid in bed, talked on the phone, ate whatever. A nurse came in a couple hours later and she was like, got on the vocera like the little walkie talkie thing and she called for nurses baby warmer and I was like oh my god what's going on and like it, Mark said I went like white as a ghost because he's like you knew what was coming right you're like I gotta get this thing out now so yep two pushes didn't feel anything Piper came flying wow. into the world we did skin to skin for an hour it was perfect <laughs> One big push, the split is placenta came like literally flying out at the midwife. And she's like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I was like, okay. Oh, <laughs> oh and you talked about hot doctors. The yeah. residents that stitched me up after Piper or Shay, I'm sorry, I didn't have any issues with Piper, but after Shay, they mm-hmm. were so hot. <laughs> I know. They are. They're just good looking. Like, what's the deal? I'm like, this just, this isn't fair. So, <laughs> okay. Well, actually my OB is hot. He's Greek and he is just... Mm, he's even Nick. He's like, oh man, I'm totally intimidated by him right now. And and Nick told me that he was massaging my vagina. Like, okay, so my first <laughs> delivery with Pay, yeah, which they do. You know, if you ever if you watch it, like they're literally like kind of taking their their hands around mm-hmm. around the head, really, just mm-hmm. kind of massage the head out. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, the first time when I had Paige, that was not that did not happen at all. So I think that's probably why I had the tears that I did, which were terrible. Um. But so you also had your your water um, broke broken once on its own, and then once you had to have it broken for you. Um, I, I right? No, I think they both times. I don't remember with. I think it broke on its own with Shay, and then I don't remember with Piper. Well, it sounds like with Piper you had the slippery vagina. Yeah, but it, there was never like the gush. It, okay, it, if there was a gush, it was at the hospital. I don't remember. It was okay. probably after I got the epidural, honestly. So with with um, Cameron, they had to break my water because it didn't break Uh, um, on its own. And that is the strangest feeling. I mean, I felt like I was swimming in slime. (laughs) I thought there was something wrong. It was I was scared. Like, is this normal? Is this how much is supposed to come out? And I will say when my water broke with Paige, it was probably I would say maybe three in the morning. I should have gone directly to the doctor or to the hospital. Do not do as I, as I say, or as I do, I guess, um, or do as I say, don't do as, as I did. Because when I got there, I'll never forget the first thing that the nurse told me was that I should have come in much, much earlier. My baby is in distress. This is not good. And I was, I just froze. It turns out that nurse was just a cold hearted B-I-T-C-H who didn't know anything. The doctor that came in after her was like, don't worry, you're fine. The baby is fine. So that was kind of a nightmarish experience. I was like, oh my gosh, I should have, I was just being, you know, all calm and okay. I just had to have the baby within 24 hours. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Definitely should have gone straight to the hospital. And I did within about, you know, three hours, but I, I, I waited too long. Hmm. My Interesting. bad. Well, now, you know, yeah. what else do you yes. know? Kind of having delivered yeah. a baby. Okay, so I definitely went into delivery with a very, very open mind. I am very much a type A planner. I plan things to death. You know this about me. Mm -hmm. I will say I did not do that with delivery. I did not plan one thing. Nick and I did not even go to in-person delivery classes. We did watch videos, but that was really the only planning I did. Um, I really, I also planned like my birth plan, quote unquote, really consisted of listening to whatever the doctors and the nurses told me to do. And I didn't want an epidural. 
And again, not because of any reason other than I was, was and still am terrified of needles and just the idea of an epidural just gave me the quivers. Um, So that was really my only quote unquote plan was to not have an epidural and to just listen to whatever the doctors told me to do. Uh, What else? I I, I had heard something about, you know, it's best if you, I had read a little bit about laboring at home and um, I had one of those big ab roller, not ab roller, those big balls that you do like sit-ups and crunches mm-hmm. on. And I had seen some videos about, you know, women laboring on those to feel and getting comfortable and kind of doing some movements and activities on the on the ball, which I think kind of enticed me. I brought a ball to the hospital, did not use it once. Uh, that was really it. I mean, I really felt so good about my delivery and I think it helped that I really went in with an open mind and trusting the system and trusting that the doctors and nurses knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And and I was right. Yeah, I'm the same way. I was the same way, which shouldn't shock you. But I, I was like, I've never <laughs> done this before. Um, I'm open to everything. My only goal was to del- make it through and have skin to skin immediately after, especially yes. since I did not get that with Shay. After she was born, after t- you know, 24 hours of labor and three hours of pushing, I, I I couldn't even hold her. I said, take her. I'm going to drop her. I mean, that's how yeah. whipped I was. And it Ugh. just, it made me so sad. Like that is just not the experience that I wanted. So for that reason, I'm kind of pro epidural just because you never know how long, it, I don't know, you know, you have to do what it, but I was very open to getting one or not. Um, you will not care if you poop. Seriously, <laughs> you just won't. Um, I would Did say- you? Uh, I believe so, at least with one of I mean, Piper, I like sneezed and she flew out. So um, (laughs) that's funny. It was. um, Yeah, that's a little embarrassing to admit. Like, I think my anatomy is just fine. But I I think the epidural was just that good that it my body had done all of the work. And I just it it must have been just like a timing thing that it it Mm -hmm. it was all the stars aligned. Right. I deserve that after my delivery with Shay, I guess. Heck yeah. but I would recommend being open to an epidural at least. Uh, you may push in weird positions. So um, yeah. I was on all fours like a dog pushing <laughs> with Shay, um, you know, with those hot residents right behind me. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. my gosh, like <laughs> that is not a sight you want to see, like a big pregnant belly hanging down between these like, like oh, my gosh, the visual. Um if you're pushing for any length of time, you'll probably be sore, to, sore in weird places. So obviously you expect your lady bits to be sore. But after pushing with Shay, I was using like an attachment on the on the bed. It was like almost like pull bars that they attached to each side oh, so yeah. that with each contraction, I could like pull up like almost like you're rowing. Um, and I did that. So I basically did an abdominal crunch with every contraction for three hours. So mm. in the in the weeks following, my abs, my back, and my neck were mm. so sore. I remember I couldn't sleep well. I mean, your neck, you know how you, like you tweak your neck. I mean, just yeah. A, yeah. a motion that you're not used to doing times three hours. And yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, so lots of now we now we know kind of things. Um yeah. You know, I will say one more thing about delivery. You know, I hadn't even considered what if I have a tear. Um, And I also had no idea that you bleed for, you know, days and days afterwards. I did not know that at all. Mm -hmm. So when they send you home with those giant pads, take them. Um, When they send you home with stool softeners, don't be like I did and say, I don't need a stool softener. Like I've, I've got good poops. Take them. And and when I mean, when I say take them, I mean like literally like swallow them, not just take them from the nurse, Mm -hmm. take them every day because you will need them. Even if you are the most regular person, you will, I guarantee, need a stool softener at least for a week. 
Um, those were, I mean, I, I don't want to even get into post-delivery, you know what's, but you're going to need the stool softener. We'll just say that. Uh, and, and you're going to bleed for at least a week afterwards. So just like being on a period, but almost a worse. week. Oh my gosh. I would say a month. See, I only bled for a week. I think it really depends on the person. Oh, I wow. didn't bleed for that long. Yeah. But I have heard, I have heard a month. Uh, definitely. It's not your period. It's just blood from the delivery. It, it's blood from all the things that you're getting rid of from having the baby that mm-hmm. were once inside your body. And it's um, not just for vaginal deliveries, cesareans as well. True. That is very good point. Very good point. Which take those I never really thought of that, but yeah, it's, I took, <laughs> yeah. um, Colace, which is a stool software. Yep. I actually took it as soon as I delivered. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, to get it working because a lot of hospitals will not discharge you until you've had your f- first bowel movement. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I did not. I was, I guess I was stubborn. Um, I didn't take that. I think I needed them. And then when I got home, I ended up taking them because them as, as most women or really anyone who's been in the hospital for any length of time, let's be honest, or had any type of surgery. Um, and then I want to also throw out there that if you do have a tear, like that was my worst pain. I wasn't my, I wasn't physically in pain really after having a baby because my labors were pretty easy, but I'll never forget like going to the bathroom, having stitches down there was excruciatingly painful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I, I would hold my pee just so I didn't have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. It was terrible. So mm-hmm. anyway, I did not know that was going to happen. Well, what about breastfeeding? A little mm-hmm. bit of a shift. What do you know now that you didn't know before having kids? Okay. I'm curious to hear what you say about this, Nicole, but I tend to think that if you're not all in to breastfeeding, you're going to struggle. What do you think about that comment? Um, I think all women probably struggle. I think if women were being honest, very few of them just, I mean, obviously breastfeeding is a very natural thing. Babies mm-hmm. know exactly what to do, which I find fascinating. I, I remember my lactation consultant at least going, just place her on your chest. And literally mm-hmm. she did like this little shimmy and she was on my nipple. Like <laughs> I, it was, it was, I mean, it was like brought tears to your eyes, you know, like this yeah. is a very um, natural thing, but it is not easy. And I think very few women can come out saying, oh yeah, everything went great. No problems. Sure. And I guess I didn't mean it like that. So you're exactly right. You're going to struggle regardless. There's going to be at least at least one struggle that you're going to have to deal with no matter what. But I guess like I've had friends who say, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to try to breastfeed. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I will tell you the vast majority of those women end up not breastfeeding because they weren't all in. Mm-hmm. Does that I, does that make sense? Yeah. Like you have to be all in. You can't just have I don't want to, I keep, I keep cussing in this one. You can't just do it um, halfway, really. It's, you've got to be all in if you really, really want to, to breastfeed, especially at that beginning, because you need to keep up your supply. Yep. Uh, so again, you know, I was definitely all in with Paige. I knew no matter what I wanted to breastfeed. And if I couldn't breastfeed, I would pump. Although that didn't even, uh, didn't even cross my mind. I never once thought I wouldn't be able to breastfeed because you just assume that you'll be able to, right? Because everyone else can do it. Uh, but it ended up being a lot harder for me with Paige. I know I've talked about this before, but she did not have a good latch. Uh, I had extremely bloody nipples for about three months. I didn't think she was getting enough to eat. And looking back, I'm sure she was not. Um, She was peeing and pooping fine, but she was still uh, just not, I know she wasn't getting enough to eat. Um, And she was probably peeing and pooping fine because right away I started to pump um, because I, I just, it hurt so bad to breastfeed. So I did end up actually, you can go back to our breastfeeding episode to learn more about, um, about kind of my time 
pumping full time with Paige, but I ended up pumping full time with her because it was just so difficult. Uh, and then it's funny with Cameron, he was a month early. And a lot of times with premature or even late preterm infants, especially boys, it is much harder for them to have a latch um, or a good latch. And his latch was so much better by far um, than than Paige's. My nipples didn't hurt. Everything was just smooth. Uh, but what I would know now, I would say something that helped me a lot, a lot, it was imperative, was investing in a good uh, breast uh, feeding consultant or nursing consultant. Because even if you find one in the hospital, you're going to you're gonna want one when you go back, someone to come to your house, you know, once a week, at least for a little bit to help you. It ends up that Cameron and Paige, so Paige ended up having a frenulum that needed to be cut on both her lip and her tongue. So she had a tongue tie and a lip tie. And the in the hospital, the um, the lactation consultant actually said that Cameron was fine. And then I hired a lactation consultant to come to our house. It turns out that he was very much tongue tied and uh, lip tied. It just didn't affect my nipples as much. He still had a better lash despite that. So invest in a good uh, lactation consultant away from the hospital. Not that there's anything wrong with hospital lactation consultants, but it's good to have one for when you go home because you're going to need that extra support. Uh, Make sure that you suck up on simple and easy calories to have on hand. I will tell you, I was definitely living off of adrenaline, especially after having Paige. And when you have high adrenaline, your appetite decreases. And when your appetite decreases, you're not getting enough calories. You don't make enough milk. So you need to keep simple, easy calories. I know I had like Boost and Ensure around for and and smoothies, milkshakes around for when I had Paige. Simple, easy calories, peanut butter, stuff like that. Also have good communication with your partner. I would say that's probably the most important thing. You need to have a supportive partner who's going to be able to communicate with you and, and understand what you need at any particular time of the day. Also invest in a good hand pump. Even if you're not pumping at all, it's good to have a hand pump for when you're out and about just to kind of grab out of your purse and quickly kind of relieve yourself if you're getting full. It's the most important, most important thing, I would say. Uh, what else? Don't go too far um, as far as buying things that you think you're going to need in, for your breastfeeding journal. I think it's best to kind of wait to do that at Uh, wait until you find out exactly what you need. Obviously, there are a few things that you can buy ahead of time, but I think I went a little bit overboard buying a bunch of things that I thought I I would need. And then I ended up not using a lot of it. But I think if anything, buying the nipple cooling pads is good because no matter what, you're going to need those. And then investing in some good nursing shirts and bras because you, I mean, I still wear mine sometimes. I'm like, obviously I'm not breastfeeding. Those things are just the bomb and they make them so well now i actually went on amazon to look if i could share some links and they're just they look cute now and they're just so comfortable you'll wear them all day long mm-hmm. i love <laughs> tank tops with the shelf bras yeah that's basically all it is and then it unclips at the shoulder and you just have a little yes. drop top it's awesome oh, the best oh yeah i i would echo much of what you just said i did not have any of the um tongue tie frenulum issues which Thank goodness. I, I don't know the first thing about it. I'm sure we would have made it through, but nursing can be painful. Um, That's for mm-hmm. sure. For me, my supply always peaked at about three months. And when I say peak, that was about the point where I could potentially like skip a feeding or skip a um, pump and my supply wouldn't suffer, if you will. Up until uh. that three month point, I really felt like I had to be very regimented about a pumping and feeding schedule so that my supply wouldn't diminish basically. Mm-hmm. For me, both pregnant both 
whatever, both kids, I had a stud and a dud boob. Um, and my best friend's going through this right now. Hers are even more lopsided than mine were, but my left was like a four, three or four to one producer to my right. Wow. Um, and we talk about a lot of this too in episode four, which was from like January, I think it was January, January or February of 2019, but we had did a whole breastfeeding um, episode. Uh, I also kind of like you, I stocked up on those or registered for those um, like breast pads to for, for leakage. I never leaked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Never I had so had many issue. of those. Never leaked either, except for when I was in the shower, which, you know, you don't need a breast pad for that. Yeah. Just let it go. Um, I never felt a letdown. I felt like sometimes my boobs had oh, electricity in them. Huh. Um, they would just, yeah, just like a little bit of like a little jolt of electricity. I don't know, but I never felt like women talk about, they hear a baby cry in the store and suddenly they're just like soaked in breast milk. Like I yeah, never, never had an experience like that. Um, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of women do, um, how to store breast milk. Okay. So this is really important. I would say, especially for moms who plan to go back to work is know that the Lanaso bag storage bags are much better than Medela's. Do you huh. agree? I... I can't even think of what Lana so bad. I'm going to look them up right now. The Lana so bad are so much better. Ugh, I hate okay. Medellas. But anyway, I would always store them. I would put them, label how much milk, of course, oh. and the date. And then I would freeze them flat. And then you can just stack them on up in your freezer, like completely flat. Because if you just like throw them in the freezer, they get all like bumpy and weird. And they just don't like store easily. So you just have mm-hmm. this like messy freezer full of like boob milk. Um, so I would say freeze flat and then you can stand them up and um, yeah, just kind of get organized basically. Um, I would, I would have like a journal of all my boob milk um, of like, <laughs> just like my inventory, if you will. Um, so I always use the, you know, the oldest stuff first and blah, blah, blah. Uh, for me at least, and this kind of echoes what you said too, hydration and calories are hugely important. My baby weight came off super fast with both the girls, like a weekish. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, let's get this party started. Like, let's keep the pounds coming off. Yep. Hard no on that. So I got back mm-hmm. to my pre-pregnancy weight and I had to drink a ton of water and eat eat a ton of calories yeah. Um, in order to keep my milk supply up. I bet I was eating, I, I think I talked about it in our breastfeeding episode, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was 4,000 calories a day. I mean, yeah. it was just an obscene number of calories. And I, yeah. my weight never went up. It never went down. It was, the, those calories are used to make breast milk. It was, it's mm-hmm. crazy how many calories you use. Um, And so I would prioritize those calories and hydration, like good nutritious calories over things, over supplements like fenugreek or foods that boost supply like oatmeal or dark beers. Um, But I did those foods as well. I made lactation cookies all the time, mostly because I just like them and I had the time. So I did it. and also I talked to my, uh, an OBGYN who she, I go to a practice and I kind of see all of them, but she is an OBGYN in my health system. And she did a um, continuing medical education presentation not too long ago. Well, it was like a year ago, but it was, it, it was titled don't pump and dump. And it was the, she is hilarious. And basically the only drug that you should not take and then feed your baby is cocaine for the record. Um, but really? I, yeah, I followed up with her on basically like when you should dump after drinking. And she said only if you're drunk, like basically if you cannot drive a car, you should dump your milk, but yeah. otherwise very little of it passes through breast milk and you should, it, the benefit still outweighs dumping. <laughs> I followed I up with her just for this episode. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I, I, yes, I, I would agree with that. I know I've heard that before. I remember the first, it, right after having Paige, we had Paige in August and then in December of that year, we went to Nick's mom's house for Christmas and I definitely got drunk that night because I hadn't drank. I probably had three drinks. Okay. And I was right. definitely drunk. I pumped on the way home 
and just basically poured all my milk out on the um on the uh, driveway on the outside on <laughs> we were walking in i woke up the next morning i was like did i what he's like yeah you poured all your breast milk out <laughs> I'm just like, okay but I, I definitely needed to at that point but you um, were a milk goddess i i remember for me and that's uh, that's another thing too like for women who po- like pump the first time they're like they, they may get less than an ounce on each side and they're like oh Mm -hmm. my gosh I just did all of that for that like it doesn't seem possible that amount of like you know these machines are just like pumping you dry and that's all that comes out but it that is valuable nutrition for your baby so don't go based on volume Mm -hmm. or anything it will go up um Mm -hmm. so just just trust the process really I would say my milk supply peaked after day one you said three months I'm like I literally went to, I mean, I, 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 it was so overwhelming. I did not know what to do. And I hadn't really done much research on breastfeeding either. Again, I just kind of went for one time in my life, just kind of took it in stride. (laughs) So I definitely needed a lactation consultant. I made so much milk and I was pumping full time with Paige. So usually when you're pumping, you, well, I guess, I guess they say, actually, if you're, it's harder to keep your milk supply up when you're pumping, but you will make, you'll end up having more milk in the long run. I'm not really sure how that works, but I had a ton um, in the freezer, probably because when you're breastfeeding, you, your, your son or daughter will latch according to their hunger needs. When you're pumping, you don't really, you kind of have to guess how much they're going to consume. So you pump for an hour or half hour and you kind of make what you think they're, they'll need. And usually it's way more than what they need. So I ended up having a lot extra. But yes, I was definitely a milk goddess, which has its pros and cons. You would um, pump for an hour? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I would pump for like 15, depending. I would maybe, maybe pump for an hour, like at the end of my um, pumping. But no, rarely was it an hour. But for oh. some people it is. For me, it was like 15 minutes. But for some women, if they need to make, you know, four ounces, it will take an hour for them to pump. Yes. Well, and I think for women who are top producers, if you will, they if you get all that four milk, um, which is the less nutritious part, you don't isn't. And then it's called the hind milk. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Like the fatty stuff is what comes out after the four milk. So you have to pump long enough to get the fatty good stuff. Yeah. And then you'll end up having bags of mostly four milk. And just what you do is just mix it with some of the hind milk from another bag. You can look at the bags and see the colors. Like one of them is going to be super, super light. If you only pumped for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you got mostly four milk. And then you find a bag of darker milk, the hind milk, and then kind of mix them together because you don't want to just feed them the four milk. It's going to give them gas and diarrhea and it's not chock full of nutrients. Definitely. One Um, comment. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say my milk both times took upwards of a week to come in. So I think mm. that that's really a takeaway is it yep. could be anywhere between a day and a week. Yep, absolutely. I would agree with that. Uh, I do agree with you. I looked at the Lanaso. The Lanaso bags are better. You're right. They're bigger. Mm-hmm. And the Medela bags, like when you un, um, you know, the snap on the top is really small and awkward. And when you try to pour it out into yes. a bottle, it always gets all over the place. Yes, I, w- I would agree with you. I wasn't sure what the Lanaso was. I hadn't seen it in so long, but. Like the yes. Medela is like a thicker material. I don't know. There's, I hated the Medela bags and I had registered for them because I was like, oh, that matches my pump. Matchy, matchy, whatever. I ended up <laughs> right. buying all sorts of Lanaso bags because I, I mean, I was back to work with both kids and I was pumping a lot. So yeah. anyway, what about postpartum life? What do you know now yeah. that you didn't know before having kids? Well, I always knew it was okay to feel down and have a little bit of postpartum depression or what is it? They call it postpartum. It's Postpartum depression is its own thing. And then there's just the postpartum blues, right? Baby blues, yeah. Baby blues. I, I know I had that. 
I, you know, I, I know, I think that they're much more open about that now. They talk about it a lot more. They, as in like the media or your friends and family, people are posting about it a lot more now than they ever did before, which I think is great kind of quote unquote normalizing it. So I knew it was a thing. I, I didn't really know much about it. So I, d- I would not say that I had postpartum depression, but I definitely had the baby blues. And I think, you know, that is very, very normal. I remember crying at 5 p.m. every single night for about two weeks with Paige. I mean, it was like 5 p.m. would come and I would just start to cry. And, you know, looking back, I was 31. So I would say about average age. Nick was 35. We had been together for over seven years. So we had a routine. I I would say that that's probably more than the average couple. We had a routine that was pretty much set in stone together, our together routine. It was very hard for me to have my, when I had Paige, it was a huge shift for me as it is for most people. But I feel like for us, it was a little bit more of a shift just because we had, we were set in our ways and we had been for seven years. Um, Not to say that we had it harder than anyone else, but I'm just saying, looking back, I think that was, that played a large role in my postpartum blues, Mm -hmm. obviously also hormones. Uh, You need support. Super, super important. Don't listen to what people tell you about their experience. You can listen, but don't assume yours is going to go the same way. You know, I always heard when I was pregnant with my second, oh my gosh, the second time around is so much harder. Everyone always told me that. For me, it was the complete opposite. Uh, The second time around was so much easier, even with a two and a half year old running around. It was just so much easier. I can't even explain it. Uh, Everything seemed to go better for the second time for me. Uh, Stock food, like we already said, make sure you've got plenty of food stored. You know, make bulk meals if you want to freeze them or kind of get friends together to make a food train for you. So they're out. You're always getting food. Uh, Invest in a good lactation consultant, like I said. And invest in a good baby carrier. I was a huge fan of the baby Bajorn that I had with Cameron. And I would just wear him all day and do chores if I had them or just go for walks, walk around reading a book just so I could move. And I wasn't just sitting in my house all day being sad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with you. I was definitely on the postpartum spectrum, at least. Uh, After Piper, I did seek a counselor. And I vividly remember after Shay... um, crying to my friend AJ, who's a guy, he had had a baby just a couple months earlier. And I was like, you didn't tell me this was going to suck so bad. And he's like, girl, Mm. he's like, Christine was there too. Like, it's just a lot. It's kind of like you, Mm -hmm. we, I, Mark and I had been married for five years and together for 11 um, before Mm. we had children. So I agree with you. Like you kind of get into this like couple groove and then there's this new person and they like run the show, right? You're like, wait, when do I get my life back? Mm, 18 years if you're lucky, right? Like (laughs) never. Um, That's a huge shift. And for me, you know, you're ready to have kids. And then there's the reality of having kids, right? Um, For Mm -hmm. me, I definitely had emotions around just like having an older child and feeling like I could no longer be like everything to her, like she had to share me Um, and just kind of feeling this, like not being enough as a parent, just Mm -hmm. do I have enough love to give two little girls? Like that was a lot for me. And I don't know why. Um, I think it's okay not to co-sleep. And I don't mean in the same bed by any means. I mean the same room. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think that was something 
I felt like a little shamed about. But I remember night one I had um, this was back in the days of where the before the rock and play was like recalled and is like off the market now. But we had the rock and play in our bedroom, like right next to me. And I was just going to, you know, it was going to be this beautiful like, oh, I'll just grab her and nurse her and throw her back in the rock and play. Okay, babies like grunt when they sleep. They are Mm -hmm. loud. They're like little gremlins. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh, like I'm never going to fall asleep. So night one, I gave her like an hour and then I was dragging that rock and play into her room and I set up the little monitor and I was like, all right, girlfriend, see you when you're hungry. And that has always worked for us. We have never co-slept at all. Uh Um, I think sleep training is a super personal decision. Do what works for you when it works for you. Most experts will say like six months is the time to start uh, Mm -hmm. sleep training. Uh, But basically, it's perfectly normal to obsess over sleep schedules. And if you hear the uh, rumor that sleep begets sleep, it is I have found to be true. What about you, Gina? Uh, You mean for kids? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, yes. And, and I learned that quickly. Um, I, I was obsessed with sleep schedules yes. with my kids, especially with Paige. Um, oh my gosh, she doesn't, she sleeps too long for this nap. She's never going to sleep at night. Never, the, never did that happen. Yep. I mean, she would take a five hour nap in the middle of the day, especially as a newborn and then sleep fine at night. Fine yep. for a newborn at least. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I remember my mom telling me that the the morning nap developed first. And, you know, my mom had me on this this schedule. She was a I believe she was a mostly stay at home mom. Anyway, that I found that to be very much the same for my girls. I, You know, those that during maternity leave, I took, you know, that time and that first morning nap developed really quickly, 60 to 90 minutes after getting up in the morning, they were out. And then the second nap was like two or three hours after the first nap ended. And for my kids, like they were like clockwork, three naps, then it was two. And then after a year, well, at like two, then it was down to one nap. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, very interesting. Or one. I don't remember. Maybe it was. Yeah, probably one. One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We did have an episode, episode number 27. I was just looking into this with a sleep certified sleep consultant, if you're interested Mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. But I would say postpartum wise, I, unlike most women, recovered physically extremely well. I was like ready to go after delivering babies, like very little Mm -hmm. pain, Um, even after being stitched. Like I was I was pretty much good to go. So for me, maternity leave was like really productive. I I agree with you, like stockpile food, recipes, all that. But I had a lot of time to do that during the day Um, Mm -hmm. because I my both my girls were pretty good sleepers in that way. And I regretfully like didn't spend as much just like time holding them and like watching them sleep. Like I was kind of, it's just my personality to be like, okay, they're sleeping. Like I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Um, That's just totally me. Um, But yeah, I would say regretfully that was my life, but I would encourage women to, who are kind of like the doers like me is to soak up those moments. Um, And then a huge pivot here. Um, Sex may not be great for a while. Um, I remember we called it the new normal. Um, and after Shay, after delivering an eight pound, 10 ounce baby with some stitches up there, (laughs) it took like a year, I would say to get back to normal and it is back to normal. I've been told, um, it feels like everything's good, but I just (laughs) want to like tell women that, you know, and, and you may not be ready when you get the green light from your OBGYN, like, and that's okay. Um, you should not proceed with, you know, sex until you feel like you're ready and that for every woman woman is different um and then a huge another shift here gina i just gotta say you know baby clothes super cute but you gotta have zippers over snaps with a newborn snap you cannot do 12 diapers a day and do the little snappies that go from the toes to the chin like it just doesn't work 
Unless they're magnetic snaps. Oh. Have you ever had those? No. Okay, so when I had Cameron, one of my best friends got me a onesie. Actually, it was like a, a, a really a thermal, almost pajamas, but it was a onesie. Um, there was a whole body uh, suit type thing. Are those, are those called, are those the onesies? I can't even yeah, think. Yeah, anyway, yeah. They had snaps, but they were magnetic. So very, very easy. And I loved, I loved it. And I, I'm pretty sure they, those, a lot of companies make those types of, um, of baby clothes with, the, with snaps that are magnetic. Much easier. Okay. I, yeah. I, we, we, we had children in the dark ages, um, but those exist now. That's cool. Uh, that was fun. I'm glad yeah. you did that. Very interesting. I love it. So what's your uh, mom win favorite new product or recipe? Sure. So we made cod tacos. I, I've been really making a lot of tacos lately, but kind of sick of, you know, the ground beef or ground turkey. So we decided to buy some cod, use some simple, I don't know, like Ortega, uh, taco mix on the cod. They were delicious. Even the kids ate them. Also, banana bread, 88 acres bars. It's a new flavor. I did not think I would like it because I'm not a huge banana fan, but they are delicious. Also more protein than their regular bars. So we put the link in the show notes for that. And then I had talked about wow butter not too long ago on a previous episode. And I wanted to come back and tell you that my kids actually did eat this wow butter. Wow butter is made with soybeans. I do not like it. I love some butter much better, but my kids both liked it. In fact, <laughs> when Cameron bought, brought his to school not too long ago, the teachers actually had to call me to verify that it was actually not peanut butter because it looks oh. so much like peanut butter. And I guess it kind of smells like peanut butter too. So, and when she called me at first, I got, kind of got scared like, oh crap, did I accidentally give him the peanut butter and jelly and not Paige because, or instead of Paige, because Paige is allowed to have peanut butter in her school. Um, even though they go, go to the same school, they're in different classes. But I I got a little bit scared, like, oh, my gosh, this, this is my job. And I just, you know, did that. But no, it was actually the wow butter, but it's just very similar. Uh, so that's nice. What about you? So from Aldi, I bought some Parmesan sole. Um, okay. Sole is a type of fish. Um, if yeah. you're not aware... Or I, I knew you knew that, but listeners. Um, <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> it's it's kind of like a chicken parmesan type, but made with fish. It was so good. That sounds so good. good. Um, highly, highly recommend. I also made. I stole this because of you, but um, okay. we made some amazing uh, blackened cod tacos with a mango salsa, and I'll link that in the show notes. But yeah, it, if a week goes by without tacos in this house, it's like an off week. The tacos are just the best. Um. <laughs> So, all right. I would agree with you. Yeah. Tacos. We do a lot of tacos. All right. Oh, shoot. Okay. So we got a review from Ali Co. (laughs) I love this. It says RD should stand for (laughs) real deal because these two registered dietitians are fun, informative, and non-judgmental. They're both mothers of young children. So they're in the trenches of feeding the family. They will help you to feel more confident and relaxed about the food choices you make. Definitely worth adding to your podcast lineup. Thank you, Allie. That was so sweet. So sweet. Real deal. Love it. Yes. Hashtag right, so real deal. That's <laughs> our, our new hashtag. Um, coming up on April 5th, we will be dishing about pre and probiotics. Are they necessary? And if so, which ones should we be taking? Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcasts on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and, tr- and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. We'd love it. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. And if you listen on iTunes, please leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. 
You don't even have to write anything. Just fill out the stars. Thanks so much. And everyone, be safe, be well, stay inside. Socially distance. <laughs> and try to keep in touch with friends. Be as be as well as you can, you know. It's a crazy time. All right, Nicole, it was so good talking to you. You too. Take care, Gina. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.